how personality shapes us. Again, this is Pastor Quint, and I'm joined for this final conversation on personalities. I'm joined by TJ Schaefer. TJ, say hello. Hey, it's an honor to be back again on your podcast, Quint. Hey, thanks. This has been really fun. Some of my favorite conversations that... um, that I've done on this podcast, and it's been really good. Have, have received some cool feedback. Um, to today, what we want to do, we kind of teased this at the end of our last episode, and then we took a couple week break in between recording so mm-hmm. that we could just kind of like get some thoughts together, and hopefully, really, um, you know, share some good things. What we want to do is kind of talk about from a pastoral view. That's uh, you know what I do. That's what TJ does. Uh, is we pastor people. We lead people hopefully, closer to Jesus, <laughs> closer to the to God and their relationship with Him. And um, we do that through the Bible, through His book, and, and uh, just the different things that we've learned in studying that and in pursuing that. And so today, that's kind of where we want to land this conversation, because as we have discussed uh, in the previous two episodes, um, and if you haven't listened to those, pause right now, go back and find those. This yeah. will all make a whole lot more sense if you are mm-hmm. up to speed on all those. But um, really, what we have been tackling is just this idea, this conversation of, um, you know, like how personality shapes us, which is hence the title, but also like what God is after in revealing um, those personality types to us. When we pursue that, when we study that, when we try to learn, I believe what we're really after is learning more about how God individually wired, uniquely wired you, TJ, and me, Quint, and every single person listening, because every single person, there's no duplicates. Like, it's every person is a unique uh, creation by God, and uh, I think that's amazing, but I think it's why it's so important that we dig in to some of those things. So that's really our hope today. It's a big task, but we're going to try to do it as quickly and efficiently as we can and point you um, in some pretty simple directions. So I mentioned this, I believe it was in part one, and I found it uh, since then. So this is um, from the message translation, and it is the introduction to the book of Nehemiah as written by Eugene Peterson, but I just love it. I think it speaks to this whole topic so well. It says, separating life into distinct categories of sacred and secular damages sometimes irreparably, any attempt to live a whole and satisfying life. Let me say that again. Separating life into distinct categories of sacred and secular damages, and sometimes even damages it irreparably, any attempts that we may make to live a whole and satisfying life. Man, that's so good. It is, isn't it? Um, And so, really, what we're talking about here is this constant need or desire that we have as humans to try to separate these conversations, like somehow uh, one is sacred and one is secular, right? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of where we go. And, and Eugene takes it as far as to say, uh, the damage to life is most op- obvious when the separation is applied to our daily work. It is common for us to refer to the work of pastors, priests, and missionaries as sacred, and then that of lawyers, farmers, and engineers as secular. But that is also wrong. Work, by its very nature, is holy, okay? And so he's going to dig into um, the work Nehemiah did in the book of Nehemiah, rebuilding the wall and organizing and leadership. And I could go on a two-hour rant about how leadership is sacred and holy and so important. But ultimately, I think the message... Uh, And the reason I wanted to set the table with that uh, little bit today is because the message for us is that we need to remember that there is no separation in God's eyes between sacred and secular. That doesn't mean that there are not things that are wrong or that we shouldn't participate in, but ultimately, He doesn't 
categorize everything like that. And I would argue, I would suggest he does not categorize this personality conversation as this holy secular thing that has nothing to do with it. I think there's a reason he has opened up people's eyes to be able to understand this stuff, to communicate this stuff, and to teach this, okay? And so that's really um, what I think we're striving to try to communicate here, is that this is like, I think God's heart for us, and and listen, I think people are so uniquely different that some people, this really like motivates you, TJ. Yeah, like you yeah, love yeah. studying this in your spare time, you said yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And um, and I think that's great. And some people, it's not their thing, and that's okay, but I don't mm-hmm. think that discounts that God wired TJ in a specific mm-hmm. way that this really like brings so much health and clarity to his life, and yeah. so he dives into it, right? Yeah. So why would we try to discount that? Who the heck do we think we are if we're trying to discount <laughs> that? when like God made TJ uniquely, right? Yeah. So anyways, what do you think on on that as we kind of get rolling here, TJ? Cool. I mean, just to have that phrase on the wall that you see every day, it, it would be the most significant reminder. Well, one of the most significant right. reminders. Right. First, you need to be reminded of your identity in Christ. But, you know, that's where it starts is that separation of like, man, I'm a, you know, I'm a child of God until... I sin, or until I go to work, or until I have anxiety, or so, you know what I mean? And, right. And so I just, I really love that, that, um, what Eugene wrote, because it just is just such a clear reminder that the goal of this whole life is integrity, um, of, of what Pastor Nicole said, right, a month ago, a couple of weeks ago, that your life matches your lips. Right. Of that whole concept of, you know, is your life lining up to to what God has designed you to be, who, right. who God has designed you to be? And I think whatever we can use, as long as it's dipped in the blood of Jesus, it'll get us there, you know? Right. That um, God will use, I believe, really, God can use anything to sure. draw us in and draw us close and to sanctify us, um, or that process of making us holy. You know, that's basically what sanctification means, is that process of making us holy. Um, and so... Yeah, I'd I'd say just understanding that everything in your life connects back to um, your walk with the Lord, and that you are either growing closer or growing farther apart. And so, right and then you can see things like like these personality tests, like um, like those things, and understand how can I use this to help me grow closer to the Lord? How can mm-hmm. I use this to to sanctify me, so I can see myself and see others the way the Lord sees me. You right. Know? Yeah. And so, you know, on that topic and something that you said a couple of weeks ago is that like the goal of these things, it, it all comes down to motive. Mm-hmm. So if your motive in se- seeking these out is you're looking for an identity, so you think you're going to learn about some test mm-hmm. and then that's going to now define you, that's not what we're talking about here, yeah, right? that's right. Your motive in, in exploring these things should be to bring... Uh, I mean, it, it puts you in a vulnerable place because you ex, you explore what are you, some of your weaknesses are and what some of your fears are and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then it, once you're in that vulnerable place, that's an opportunity for you to invite Jesus into that space and say, why do I feel this way? What did happen to me to make these agreements, to build on these wounds that have happened to me? And then how can you help me, Jesus, how can you minister to me to let go of these hurts, to let go of these things, right? And so many people, I believe and I've seen, are so afraid of that part of it. They almost feel like Christianity's not that easy. Christianity, Mm -hmm. it can't be as simple as, 
what hurts my feelings the most. Let's invite Jesus into that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to suggest that it's just that easy, but that part <laughs> of it's pretty much that easy. Like, yeah. But you have to be willing to go into these types of uh, tests and, and um, you know, typings and whatever, mm-hmm. personality explorations, and find out, like, why do I operate the way I do? What's broken about that? Start with we're all we all operate out of some place of brokenness, yeah. right? So it's not yeah. like everybody else has it figured out and you're this one unique person with a brokenness. We yeah. all do, right? Yeah. But when we can find out what that is and then invite Christ into that, we give him space to heal it and mm-hmm. to help us through it. And you know, we start the process of finding some restoration from that brokenness. Yeah. I always have the image of you know, I always, I always share this with um, basically anybody, but with uh, um, uh, college students that I disciple and that are in our ministry. And when you're looking at your spiritual life, I think a lot of the times the damaging image that we use is like it's a ladder or that it's a race um, in an unhealthy way that, that you're always saying, um, these people are so far beyond me. These people who have been in, you know, following the Lord longer than me or more passionately than me, blah, 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 you know, you can fill in the spot. You create like this image of a ladder or steps or a race um, where, where it turns into like this competition or this comparison in that way when, when I really like the imagery of like it's like a map. You know, when you look at the map and you start this walk, you don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know the journey. But there's other people who have discovered other areas of the map that you run into to say, hey, watch out for this over here. Or man, look at this spot here in your walk with the Lord, because this is beautiful. This is going to help you, right? Like the spiritual disciplines or watching out for temptation or certain things. But anyways, I always use that comparison of like, we're all on the same equal playing field. It's horizontal. Um, and, and it's all just about experience and and longevity and like appreciating those people, because that means if you've been following the Lord for 10 years, that there's still somebody out there who's just probably started a year ago that has explored some areas that you haven't yet yeah. when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. And so when it comes to like the personality test, it's just the same thing, right? Some people have used these different things to help navigate their relationship with the Lord. So when you come in contact with them, it gives you a nice space to say, hey, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but um, I think God uses so many different things to uncover our motive to show us, is your drive my love for you? Is that like your main drive? Like scripture says that we may be driven by his love. And, and you know, I think I mentioned, we mentioned that a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple podcasts ago, that um, that's what this is all meant for. Right. It, it is to really expand your understanding and to become whole and to grow and to, and to see the Lord more through these things. Let me read this because um, this goes really well with what you're saying. Ephesians 1 Um, again, from the message translation, it says, long before God laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. And I think, um, those two words to be made whole and holy is like the purpose of Christianity. It is, it is the purpose of restoring our union with Christ. And in John Eldridge's book, Free to Live, um, he talks about like it, when you. Why do you lift weights? I mean, I don't lift weights, yeah, but why? Oh, same. Why, I was an exercise right, ma- right. major, but yeah, you why, lift weights to rip your muscles you live, to strengthen them. Yeah, you live. You lift weights to 
increase your strength? Why do you take vitamins to yeah. be healthier? Why yeah. do you why do you do things? Well then, why do you pursue Christ? The answer is right here, to be made whole and holy mm-hmm. by his love. That it's yeah. those two things, right? And so uh, if you jump down to verse 7, it says, Because of the sacrifice of our Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free of penalties, free of punishments, chalked up by all of our misdeeds, and not just barely free, but abundantly free. And so when I think of what you were just talking about, and even what I was sharing about um, inviting Christ into those broken places, this is the promise you stand on when you want to recognize, when you go and you learn about different le- different things that have, uh, wounds that have happened, brokenness that has happened to you, and then you want to invite Christ in, you're literally, you're, you're cashing this check and you're saying like, Jesus, you say I'm this abundantly free person because of your sacrifice on the cross, because of your blood poured out on the altar, your book, your Bible, Paul wrote it, says I'm free. <laughs> I'm free of these penalties, these punishments that have been chalked up against me. Lord, show me that. Show me what freedom looks like, feels like, sounds like in this instance, in this area where I'm so sensitive, so vulnerable, and been subject to such levels of hurt. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's that's what it's... Sorry. That's what... I think we're trying to say here is like those that's the promise you have to stand on as mm-hmm. you discover these things. Yeah. In in that like that's it, it's always nice to even in though that this journey, right? What feels like you might have lows is again just it's still a part of the path. It's still taking you to the end goal. So even in those really tough low moments, you can recognize um the bigger picture. You can see that you can zoom out to see that bigger picture and I think obviously that's why I mean why we have scripture so much is to always give us the bigger picture of understanding the greater narrative of humanity as a whole is redemption is wholeness. It's the the word Shalom that we know is that wholeness and completion in Christ. And so that, that that's what we aim towards. That's what we, what our drive is, is for his love to be made, to be made whole. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I shared yesterday, uh, in our service here at church, we were singing that song by Bethel Music. Uh, it's called Goodness of God, and it mm-hmm. says, the chorus says, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Yeah. Uh, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And I was uh, playing, what did I play yesterday? Guitar. And, um, you know, wasn't out front or singing or anything, but I was just playing in the band. But I had this moment looking out across the congregation and I just, I just felt like this overwhelming sense looking at some of the people that I know and everything, like you made the comment a second ago, like, you know, if you've been following Jesus for 10 years, there's someone who's at a different place on the map. But I look at some people out there who have been following Jesus 10 minutes mm-hmm. and they're singing or they're in a room full of people singing this song that says, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good. And I, I had this overwhelming sense. And so I went up and shared with the church that like, you might sit there and be like, can I actually sing that? Because, like, I just I just found him. Yeah. So, like, how was he faithful? And the answer is, he was faithful, and that's why you just found him, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was pursuing you the whole time. Yeah. What? But what happens is we project our lack of awareness, our lack of uh, yeah. faithfulness ourselves, our uh, lack of revelation or understanding on Christ, like, somehow... He didn't know where we were the whole time, but he knew the whole time. He was there. He was there. He was working towards this redemption 
of all things. So yeah. anyways, I, you know, not everybody's my kids who are one, three, four, five, and seven, and all they know is Jesus. My wife and I just talked about this <laughs> last night. Like uh, they, as far as they know, everyone who lives on our street knows and worships Christ. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they wouldn't know otherwise. And so um, obviously at some point there will be ways that we try to engage that conversation and explain how, th- how it isn't always like that, right? Yeah. But for people who didn't, quote-unquote, grow up in a Christian home and it's all they've ever known and they just came to Christ in their adulthood mm-hmm. and they're really trying to put the pieces together, man, if, if that's you and you're listening right now, you got to know that like Christ was there the whole time working mm-hmm. towards whenever that moment was, if that moment was at a church, in a parking lot, wherever it was, that you realized yeah. how broken you were and that He was there to redeem you. He worked your whole life for that moment, and that's yeah. why you can say and sing things like, all my life you have been faithful. Even when I didn't know it, mm-hmm. you were being faithful, right? Yes. Yeah. Shameless plug for, um, it's called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Ooh, yeah. Phenomenal book, and it talks about that, of like God has been pursuing you. Um, and, and that's just a, just a powerful statement through your whole life, how intentional God has been. in the beauty of like, we serve an all-knowing, like he's so sovereign, king and father, that he knows how to stand beside us uh, through every moment and how to reveal himself to us in different manners um, that we will receive and that we will acknowledge and that we will uh, at least be aware of. And I just, I love the beauty of that and how God intentionally knows how to reveal himself to each one of us because we are again, designed uniquely, but he's also designed us that way. And um, since he knows how he's designed us, he knows how to pursue us and love us well. And and in that, obviously, with his heart, like scripture says, that none may perish, but all would have eternal life with him. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the big message here that we're trying to get across is like, whoever you are and wherever you are, you are u- uniquely known mm-hmm. and uniquely created with incredible intentionality by Jesus Christ, by yep. God your Father. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is there to equip and empower you to live your absolute best and most restored life, right? Yeah. And so um, you need to start, that, sh- that is your identity, period, case closed. That mm-hmm. should be your identity. Yes. From there in exploring these different personality conversations and different types of things, and you can go a hundred ways with this as we've discussed, in exploring that, the motive behind it is that we are pursuing, uh, God, how did you design me and what is your desire for me and how can I best let go of what hurts me and embrace how you've made me to be? So, uh, TJ, you have some um, scriptures for... Now, like we said in the previous message or previous podcast, TJ has spent a lot of time specifically on the Enneagram, which is fine. And, and you know, like we said, there's multiple versions of these, but if you're at all familiar with the Enneagram or if you are, um, you know, whatever it is, if you're just interested in hearing some of these, these are scriptures that speak to, I mean, well, I should let you set it up because you're going to do oh, a better job, good. but no, you're, scriptures you're, that yeah. speak to the specific mm-hmm. wounds or I guess trigger points of each individual personality type. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the scriptures that I found, uh, at least to, to me, uh, as I've read them, seem very intentional with addressing the wound and showing how Jesus heals that wound, mm-hmm. and how Jesus is the one who's supposed to be 
um, in place of that motive, the unhealthy motive or that wound like we're talking about. And so um, I wish I would have wrote them out. I, I have them written. I have all the references written, but I wish I could read them, but it probably wouldn't be enough time anyways. So okay. I'll run through them. So if you know your Enneagram number or if you want to rewind these and write them all down and look them up, um, that would be pretty solid. So I'll run through them. Um, for the Enneagram 1, um, the scripture is First Timothy one sixteen, and um, I would look for these real fast, but you'll just hear papers. I know. That's what I thought about. I was like, oh, if you flip through them, yeah. Even if you want to pull up that one, I can give them an example. Okay, First uh, Timothy First what? Timothy one sixteen. All right, let me get it. Um, because I just I love e- even that one. Like reading it, All I'm right. like, man, I got that this one right really here. addresses right to the heart. All right, First Timothy one sixteen, from message. Sorry. It's just, that's my go-to. Um, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am proof. I was public sinner number one of someone whom could never have made it apart from sheer mercy, and now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. Deep honor and bright glory to the king of all time, one God, immortal, invisible, ever and always, oh yes. Mm. Do I keep going? Yeah, no, 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 that's it. Um, yeah, in the uh, the CSB pulled up too, it says, um, but I receive mercy for this reason, which is a huge thing for Enneagram's run. One's receiving compassion mm. and mercy yep. and grace. Um, I receive mercy for this reason so that in me, the worst of them, which is admitting all your inner critic that you're trying to fight Enneagram one, um, I think there is a level of understanding. There is some truth to that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I am a sinner. I, I, I am missing the mark, but that's okay because I have a God who fills that gap. So it's okay that I miss the mark because um, that doesn't mean I'm living with excellence and with Christ like robing me. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and to to speak very broadly, if you're totally unfamiliar, the Enneagram one is like perfectionist, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. very so like like coming up short, just quote unquote, just really isn't acceptable. Like that's yeah, just not acceptable not. for that. And, and there, I mean, I have people like that in my life. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. And so to hear the words, Hey, it's okay. And let me, yeah. as you continue, let me just say this. One of the things I love um, that John Eldridge says um, that, that is so, so true. And we've all heard the verse, um, guard your heart for from out of it flows the wellspring of life. But yeah. the reality that we all whether we admit it or not, whether we believe it or not, it's just true. How you treat your own heart yep. is how you treat everyone else's. That's right. So these lenses that TJ is walking through that of how different people see the world, these are the mm-hmm. lenses of how you treat your own heart and therefore how you treat everybody else's. That's what they really yeah, are. It really is, yeah. And so, that, that's why they talk about it all the time with the Enneagram One. What's going on in their head is a more intense inner critic than, than others. Excuse me, because <coughs> try spot. Um, because their deepest desire and motive is, is to be good, and 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 to be right. Right. And so for them, anything short of that is considered bad. Anything short of that is considered like defective, and that's their biggest fear is that I'm I am defective. Right. Well, yeah, you're right. Sin has defected you. However, in Jesus, you are made good. You are made whole. Right. You are made complete. And so, like, I, I just, like, reading through that, it, it really addresses... I didn't even get to the end, but, yeah. So it says, but I receive mercy for this reason, 
so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience, mm, his patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Mm. So it's like understanding as Enneagram 1, not only does Jesus want you to understand that you've fallen short and there's grace and mercy for that, but he wants you to be the trophy for that idea yeah. to other people who are struggling with that as well. Yeah, That it's like, yeah, I missed the mark, but but God is using me to show that it's okay, that I am so good because my identity isn't wrapped into my actions, it isn't wrapped into my morality, it isn't wrapped up in and rooted in in um, how I structure my life. It's it's in the personhood of Jesus that I am considered good, yeah. and that I am considered right, um, and, and from that flows flows a life that that you're able to walk that out and show people Jesus. Right, and so that's just one example of like how the scripture is meant to address and speak and give you the time to like meditate on his word with the heart posture of receiving the message that Jesus wants to speak to your heart about the gospel, like the gospel truth of no, you, you, you know, this is not who you are. I'm going to tell you who you are. Right. And, and so as a person who struggles to show patience to others, because mm-hmm. you struggle to show patience to, to yourself, yourself. Yeah. to hear right out of the word from first Timothy that Jesus has shown you incredible patience. Mm-hmm. Like, what a gut check, right? What a, yeah, what and a challenge. It's, it's such a great example, and all of these I'm sure will be, of that verse that gets quoted all the time, but that His grace is sufficient in our weakness. Because mm-hmm. these are all areas where, like, I'm not a compassionate person. I, yeah. Like, I'm speaking personally for me. <laughs> I am not a compassionate person. Mm-hmm. But I have found ways, I, I because I have awareness of that, yeah. I now am a fairly compassionate person, you know? And I, yeah, yeah. I see things... And I see um, ways to exercise that muscle that didn't mm-hmm. come naturally to me. That isn't something, that, but because I, I drew closer, realized why I wasn't compassionate, invited Jesus into that space, let him work on me and heal me, yes. right? Now I can have compassion for people that otherwise I would not. Mm-hmm. So It's so true. And that's a cool thing about all these too, is like you could meditate on all these verses and ask the Lord to check your heart with them, right? right. Search me and know me. Um God and, and know my ways and correct them. I think all these are just so vital to to even just sit in and take the time to just because it's good scripture. I mean, right. all scripture is good scripture. So, like uh, sitting in there really does gut check you of like, man, Christ has been so patient with me. Right. And like that's that's what always challenges me when I'm sitting there with people struggling with compassion. Of man, God has been so patient with me. This is the least I can do is to extend that to other people and right. myself, you know. All right, and, and let's, so we'll fire through these others we'll a little faster than that. But that was trying so, to set you up for what we're doing here. So. Yeah, yeah. So take the time, spend, sit in it, meditate on it, get in your study Bible and read the study notes, look at the linear references, and and obviously pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Scripture to you to understand what's what what God is trying to speak to you, um, and so. The Enneagram 2's scripture would be Matthew 6, 3 through 4. That is Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Um, the Enneagram 3, uh, your scripture reference would be Romans 12, 10. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Um, the Enneagram 4, your scripture verse would be John 16, 20. John chapter 16, verse 20. The Enneagram 5 would be 2 Corinthians 9, 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, 
The Enneagram 6 is Colossians 3.15. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15. Enneagram 7, Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Philippians chapter 4, 11, verses 11 through 12. That's you, right? That's me. I want to read it. Oh, no. I'm ready. Four, I love it. 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might not translate because it's in the message, but... Um, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, and as with much as with little. Is that am I close? Yeah. Oh yeah. I have you're, found, you're hitting it. <laughs> I've found the recipe for being happy, whether I'm full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in life in the one who makes me who I am. There it is. Yeah. Poking right at my heart. Because because the the core longing that I that like my wound wants to hear is that I'll be taken care of. So hearing that scripture of knowing that he's the one who will take care of me and all of those things. Uh, that pokes deep of like, do I trust that? Do I believe that? Yeah. And like sitting in that, remembering, because like Enneagram sevens are considered just insatiable people. Which well, I was going to say true. that the, the sentence to sum them up is more is better. Oh, always. And so, which <laughs> which is not true, but it is their, their life mantra. So um, that hits home as I read it because it's literally, it's a, it's a passage on contentment. Mm-hmm. Right when yes. you're content, more isn't better. Right, like yes. so, and I mean, I have a little bit of that. I'm an eight. I'll fair is fair. I'll read mine when you get to the yeah. next. But uh, maybe I'm eight at times. Wing seven, where like I mean, I've got fifteen Bibles back there. Like I have yeah. this thing where like I, you're like it could be more. It intense. could be. And I <laughs> I saw um, a promo for deals on Bibles or whatever, and mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, I should look at. I just love like the different ways the Bible is presented yeah. in, in like the packaging. Mm-hmm. I, that, but that's not the point. Yeah. I don't I don't need more Bibles. I need more time in my Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the answer. So that'll preach itself. Right. Oh, it so <laughs> will. So sometimes I like look and I'm like, I see these things and I have a little bit of that. Yeah. M- more is better. More Bibles on my mm-hmm. shelf would be better. And it's like, no, more time in the one that's in your backpack. That's what you need. Yeah. It's the scarcity right. mindset of right. I don't have enough. Right. I, I'm not enough. Like somehow with it, more, you're not trapped, but with it, less, it, you are trapped. Exactly. Where, yeah. yeah. So then I was attracted for a while to trying the whole minimalist oh, yeah. movement. Mm-mm. First of all, that's not my thing. Yeah. It's not my thing at all. I like got rid of half my shirts and I was like, this is way too much for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then from there, I just realized like I need to be content with what I have. And that's been a huge journey through, I mean, you name it in my life, I've I've experienced that conversation with the Lord of like, help me be content because it's not that those things aren't great. I just, for some reason, there's a craving in me that that, right. My flesh is like, but, but there's more. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Hearing that scripture always brings me back to that recentering of contentment. Like what we were talking about beforehand with vehicle stuff. Right. I was content. The Lord had to work on my heart with being content with my um, 2003 Honda Accord that had no air conditioning, that the ceiling was falling down, my windows barely rolled down. I had no radio for the past like five years. Like I just, the Lord's like, but I'm using this. I'm using this vehicle, literal vehicle, to have life-changing conversations in the car with these guys. And, um, you know, we're going to conferences. I'm taking them to and from service and stuff and, and just trusting, okay, I'm going to be content in this. Right. And then the Lord will move me on when it's time. And yeah. that was a huge experience. So anyways, yeah, I mean, that's a big one for Enneagram 7s yeah. is that contentment, that 
Jesus is enough. Yeah. And I've had to ask myself, like, do I really believe Jesus is enough? Right. If it's Jesus plus nothing, is that enough in my life? Uh, anyways. All right. Let, Get, let's, let's move off of me. Just we got eight bit. and nine left. What's eight? I'll... Eight is Second Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. What was the five? Second Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. No, what was the Enneagram 5? Oh, 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 yeah, there's was Second uh, Corinthians 9, 11. Oh, so we'll be right there. Yeah. So here's, um, which that makes sense, because the one goes to the other, right? Yeah, it, All right, it does, sorry. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have good. to study it. If you're interested, go ahead and study it. They are connected. Uh, 10 through 12, you said, right? Correct. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say that hits. Because as, as an eight, as a protector, as a provider... Mm-hmm. I'm always, um, it, it's work, you know? It's like, how hard do I have to work to provide X, to yeah. provide Y, to provide yeah. Z? How hard do I have to work to protect from, right? Mm. And so it's just a lack of ability, not, it's a lack of innate ability. Yeah. I have a supernatural ability to do this after spending yeah. work on it, right? This is what we're talking about here. But it's a lack of inborn uh, ability to just trust mm. versus sometimes I meet people who are like, yeah, I don't know, but it'll all work out. God's got this. And I'm like, yo, you need to get to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God's got this. When you get off your butt and start working, that's that's the lens I yeah. see the world through, right? Yeah. But I could probably learn from them, like, you know, maybe it's not all about how hard I'm going to work in this. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, God's got this, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. anyways, that's good. All right. It's so good. It's funny because I put a question mark there because I'm always, like, reading it. And I'm like, does that make sense? That's the first time I've ever heard someone unpack it that way. Then I'm like... This all adds up. Yeah. Because I've read it and I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that. Like I can see that loosely connecting. And so yeah. I appreciate you connecting it that way so I yep. can get rid of this question mark. There you go. That's the best one I've found so far. But anyways, yeah, that's solid. That's some solid work right there. All right. And then uh, lastly, this would be my wife's number, Enneagram 9. Oh, no. I don't have it. Uh, well, they're peacemakers, so they're going to be just fine without it. But Oh, no. Oh, I can't believe I lost it. Wow. Well, we will find we'll it find and it. put it in the show notes or something. But yeah. uh, anyways. I think we could still pull out to the Blessed are the Peacemakers. I mean, that's the one that comes to my head. Not necessarily Matthew 5. The, yes, not necessarily the peacekeepers, but the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. And I think when Enneagram, this is what I've seen in my own life and in, in reading, of like when Enneagram 9s are able to engage in conflict, which is like their biggest, their biggest fear. But if they can push through that, they actually, if they use that fear as a weapon, they will actually accomplish their goal, which is peace and unity right? And, and, and solace. And so I guess that's what I always think about when I read that scripture is like, if you're willing to engage through the fear, you will actually accomplish the peace that you desire, the real peace, not the surface level peace of like, right. oh, we're not talking about it. And so everything's okay, but it's still walking on eggshells. It's like, no, 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 a peacemaker is someone who engages. Right. And with the wisdom that all Enneagram nines have that I'm just like blown away with all the time, um, that they're able to see so many different perspectives of the situation that I'm like, I'd never thought of that. Right. And still stay calm uh, to a degree. 
that um, when they make that peace, when they push through and use and have healthy conflict and engage, that that strengthens the relationship and that it heals the situation and it brings peace. And so, yeah, that's, that's what good. I would probably suggest. Yeah. I mean, and all of them are, like you said, I this is what I think. I think when you uncover what your innate, how God wired you innately, and we've talked a lot about the Enneagram, but whatever whatever test you want to explore and you start to learn different things about how God has wired you, that could that can totally revolutionize how you read Scripture in and of itself because you now have like this understanding of like, wow, I see the world. I mean, just from a most basic level that I talk about quickly with people is like tasks versus people. And you and I talked about that a couple weeks ago, TJ. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a task person. Yeah. We just got to make sure the tasks get done. You're a people person. So like we, <laughs> you're you're coming into this going, we just got to make sure that the people feel connected. Yep. And um, I'm sitting there going like, <laughs> if the tasks don't get done, who gives a rip if they're connected, right? And mm-hmm. so just on that basic level, but now see here's just to, let's wrap this whole thing up by just saying this. If I just read my Bible saying, God, I know that I see everything as a task, but show me how that's a weakness and show me how you can, how you can fix it. Yeah. Right. And for you, you can read the Bible and say, God, I know I see everything through the lens of people, but where does that hurt me when it comes to getting tasks done? And mm-hmm. it changes how you read the Bible, right? That's good. And so just any of these things, that is the goal, is that it can then influence your Christian journey and influence your walk as you learn more about how God has wired you and then invite him into those spaces. Yeah. So I... Okay. So I don't want to be like, man, this was divinely inspired to bring up the scripture. Um, but I never want to negate that the Lord does speak to us in sure. very small ways. Let's go. And I was, after I got done saying that about the Enneagram nine, I felt like it was like, nope, that is not it. Um, which is good stuff, but it doesn't actually address the, the wound. And, um, and I was brought to Psalms 139, one through three, where it says, Lord, in the CSB, it says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. And I, I felt like it was to really address uh, of saying your presence matters. Mm-hmm. And God knows you, where you are, when you sit up, when you stand up and sit down. Like God knows when you're in a room with people. God knows when you're by yourself. And your presence to God matters. And that's why he created you. And yeah. so even in the moments when the lie is creeping into your head that your presence doesn't matter, your voice doesn't matter, that that is a lie. And and you can come back to the scripture to remind yourself if God finds it significant enough to keep track of my presence, then it matters when I walk into a room. Yeah. I don't have to be the loudest person to be known. I, I, I need to be the I need to be the most I like rooted in Christ to understand that my presence when I walk into a room is significant even if it's not felt. Yep. Even if it's not seen because God knows it. Right. And so that's what I was drawn to. So that's I know great. that you were wrapping up. Yeah. And no. I was like, whew. And honestly, honestly, uh, Psalm 139, the whole chapter is a great place for mm-hmm. everyone to go, personality oh, yeah. aside. Yes. And remind yourself and root yourself in your identity in Christ, who you are. This is the verse that you've seen on coffee mugs. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> yeah. But to read the actual chapter and to read David writing out to his God, how known he is, how seen he is, even in the seasons of David's life. I'm reading First Samuel with my kids at night, um, just like straight up, just write two or three chapters a night. <laughs> Got to do a little censoring here and there. There's a some content that's a little 
little above their pay grade yet. But uh, <laughs> anyways, just to read that and all the different things that David went through and yet to find uh, that he took the time to remind himself of this. We all need to do that. That is the chief thing that we need to do is root ourselves in who we are in Christ. And then from there, um, we can start to invite him in to heal these places that we've talked about today. So anyways, uh, big conversation, a little bit longer one today, but super, super good. Thanks so much yeah. for doing these, TJ. It's been Thanks. really fun. It really has been an honor. I've loved it. It's been so fun. So thank you for the invite. Yeah, and we'll see what 2022 holds. Maybe we'll uh, dive into some other stuff and, uh, and do some stuff. But anyways, uh, if you're listening to this, have an awesome and happy Merry Christmas, Happy yes. New Year, all the things, and we will catch you into the new year. Um, unless God drops something in my lap for some <laughs> podcast to wrap up the year. This will probably be the last one for 2021, and we'll hit the ground running in the new year. So have a blessed Christmas, and thanks so much for catching me.